So, Car, how is the house move going? Oh house my god. Sale, house purchase. Awful, awful. Don't buy a house. Don't sell a house. Don't do it. Well, and that's enough for this week. <laughs> the Welcome end. to that move podcast. <laughs> Give me a lowdown of your current situation. Current situation, so put my house up for sale last year. Got an offer on it beginning of this year, maybe February. Covid happened, great timing, Timing. which put everything on hold. Started to come back out of Covid so then they could get a surveyor involved, people could come around to do valuations on your house and everything and also then I could go out and start viewing houses myself so literally everything was on hold. Um, Found a house I liked, put an offering on that, got that accepted so all good. Then all the surveys have been getting done and the one on mine, there's value data less than it was before Covid Mm -hmm. and so my buyers want to pay less. And off the back of that, I'm now waiting for my survey, which I suspect the same thing will happen. And then I'll have to try and reduce my offer as well. So I'm just stuck in a big COVID survey sandwich and it doesn't taste very nice. Oh, interesting. It's interesting because it's kind of what we were talking about before, that the value of something is based on what you want to pay for it. Nothing's changed with those houses. They haven't changed Mm -hmm. location. Nothing's happened inside or outside to them. Exactly the same. But all of a sudden, they're now worth £10,000 less. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's that emotional sentiment. It's interesting when people say it's one of the most stressful things you'll do is move house. And actually, until you've done it, you think, what's stressful? Yes, you have to box everything up. That's not fun. You have to chuck away some things. But it's exciting and you're moving house. And what is the worst that can happen? You have to find a good removal person. You might drop a vase. But actually, it's that, isn't it? It's about the emotions that are involved in houses. It's one of the most emotional purchases, I think, for people, which is why it's just fraught. With difficulty. Do you think then, despite all the stress and the emotion, you would do it differently? Would you think, oh, would be loads less hassle to rent? Um, do I think it'd be loads less hassle to rent? Well, there's two different things there, isn't there? So you talk about the stress of moving, which is different to the stress of buying. When I was younger, we went through a bit of a phase, I presume <laughs> we'd have to call it. So we moved house nine times in three years. Um, me, mum, and two sisters, and my brother just packed up and moved. So. I did it that often that the thought of packing and moving it doesn't faze me in the slightest. Like I could pack everything today and move everything tomorrow, it wouldn't be a problem. So the stress comes from the negotiating and the, the buying and the selling and the surveyors and what are they going to say and all the fees that go with it. So I think in terms of renting, the transaction's easier and less stressful because you find a property, you sign a tenancy agreement, you pay a deposit and then you go. There's kind of It's that whole kind of concept as well though that if you're renting there isn't any stress day to day because, you know, if something goes wrong in the boiler, it's mm-hmm. not a problem. However, there is always, I would think, the underlying stress of thinking at any point, I don't own this house, the landlord can just go, hello, hi, <laughs> it's me. Um, by the way, I'm selling the house tomorrow. I'm putting it on the market. You're going to have to find somewhere else to live. And if you've lived there a long time, it's kind of, it's taken that control away from you. Yeah, but that's control, you and your it? control. You do have control issues on things like that. <laughs> do I really? Yeah. Oh, potentially it's just me then. Yeah. And it probably doesn't happen like that. I don't think that, no. <laughs> I feel like I'm fairly sure there's, there's something that would stop them just go, oh, hello, <laughs> get out. Ding dong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you've installed a new doorbell, that's nice. Get out. Yoink. <laughs> Thanks for putting new tiles in the bathroom, I like them. Can you just paint that wall before you get out? <laughs> yeah, I don't... I, presume some people can get kicked out by the landlord. I don't think it happens that often. And you're right, there would be a stress to it. But yeah, the equivalent of going, oh yeah, the tiles have started falling off my roof, not my problem. Like mm-hmm. that, Actually, that stuff is more likely to happen and does immediately take it away from you. So you're offsetting one stress for another. Do you remember, I mean, I'm scared of spiders and I know you are too. And do you remember when my tenants texted me and said, can you get a exterminator around? There's some really big spiders in the house. And I had just read an article in The Guardian about really large spiders that autumn. I know it's terrific, saying, you know, houses are just infected with really large spiders, something to do with the warm climate, and they're all coming indoors now. Um, and just thinking exactly that, waking up and thinking, oh, I've got a big spider in my bath. I'll just ring the landlord to come and sort it out. <laughs> no, but that's not, that's not actually a landlord issue. Like, I, there's oh, a I spider know. in my bath, come and get it. That's exactly what I told him. I'm, I'm probably more frightened than you. <laughs> Do you remember when I my next door neighbour's issue? <laughs> There was a spider in my house and I knocked on her door and she had to come and get it for me. <laughs> and she was eight months pregnant. Um, and she hoovered it up and broke a hoover. Yeah. <laughs> and then you made her hoover up the contents of a hoover. Yeah. <laughs> well, she was pregnant and in my bedroom at night. I just sat on my bed. <laughs> oh, did she own that house or was she renting? <laughs> I 
I don't know, but she moved shortly afterwards in unrelated news. I suppose that's the other thing as well. You can be more transient if you're renting. Mm -hmm. You can think, actually, I've decided I don't like this area anymore. You know, the house is a bit dirty, I'll move. Um, (laughs) My neighbour's a nightmare, I'll move. Yeah, I think that, I know we are terrible, but um, I think that about cars. I think, actually, long gone are the days that people buy a car. Mm -hmm. You know, people used to buy a car and spend however many thousand pounds a car and run it into the ground. And now it's much more common for people to get PCP agreements or, you know, lease a car. And I do that. I, you know, lease a car because, A, I get bored easily. B, I don't want to fix it. I don't know anything about cars. It's not my expertise. And I just thought driving into work today, oh, the blooming fuel light's on again. And now it's popping up saying there's something wrong with the tyre pressure. I need to put air in it. I'm thinking it's about time I've got a new car. <laughs> I mean, it's just going to start flashing at me. Needing fuel. <laughs> yeah, you're just going to start being a problem. I can see you. Air in your tyres and fuel very dependent on whether you've leased it or bought it. They don't, I, I feel like they, they are was, you issues, not the car thinking, issues. Yeah, I know, but I was thinking, oh, if you're getting to the point where, you know, I'm going to put air in the tyres <laughs> and it'll be coming up for its MRT, it's about time I got a new one. <laughs> and I just think you could think that about a house, couldn't you? You could think, oh, well, actually, yeah, I'm bored of this now. I've, I've decorated it all. It's not as easy to move if you own it, is it? It's not. No, I think there is, there's a lot of comparisons there that are right because when you're leasing a car and something goes wrong it's somebody else's problem just like with a house and you've got the flexibility of changing it you're not stuck with one forever and when you're buying a property I think like yes you can sell it again and move if you change your mind and you want to go elsewhere but there's so many expenses involved in actually buying a property like I've got mine I've printed it off because it came through and I just couldn't believe the sheer volume and the amount of things that you have to pay and then so I've paid to get a survey done on this new place and actually, if this survey comes back and says, oh, yeah, no, that property is a hellhole, don't buy it. I've just spent £550 to be told not to buy something. Like, that's yeah. just gone. That's money gone up in the air. If I didn't spend that £550, I could buy a property that's a hellhole. So yeah. there's these big upfront costs, which you've got kind of stamp yeah. duty and all the Imagine other costs if you did to that do. six times. Exactly, yeah. And found houses. And that you're also slightly emotionally attached to because you've already taken your son who says, oh, you know, I really like this. This is my bedroom. And then you say, well, you can't move there yeah, because it's yeah. damp. Yeah. And they don't understand that. <laughs> yeah. All of that. So it's the emotional side of it as well, isn't it? Do you know what? I'll talk you through some of the costs to buy it. I don't know if I want to know. Oh, it's, it's depressing. It's also the time thing, isn't it, as well? Like you're saying, you put your house on the market last year and it might be... You know, you it'll, make it'll, a big emotional decision. Like, I'm ready buy, to sell my house. I'm going to buy a new mm, one. Oh, what? Nobody wants to buy it. Do it 18 months. <laughs> <laughs> but... It's that as well, isn't it? it? You know, in a world where we're so used to instant gratification, you see something and you want it and you want it next day, um, without all of that kind of weight and what really buying houses isn't as simple or selling certainly isn't. No, well, it isn't. So just on mine, so you'd have got stamp duty, which obviously will depend on the value of the property, but is not cheap. So even with that aside, legal fees for my solicitor's fees is £960. Then you have to pay for... Is that for buying and selling or just No, just, just buying. This is me buying a new property. Right. So then you've got charges to land registry. So you have to like register the actual deeds for you to buy the property. You need to do searches. I still don't really understand what they are. They do searches in my area because it's an old coal mining search. They search got a big old dirty mine big, underneath. Yeah, that you're not going to, you know, stamp your feet too hard and fall down a big shaft. Then the stamp duty, that's thousands of pounds that you have to pay. In addition, so it was £150 for my searches. I have to pay them £102 to do a form to say here's the thousands of pounds stamp duty, so my stamp duty return form. Environmental searches, don't know what they are, 58 quid. Drainage search. I think that's for, you know, if you've got like Japanese knotwood or if there's like a tree root going under your house. Yeah, yeah. You have to check that there isn't any, or any, um, you know, on a green belt area or something like that. Drainage, £52, check that. Professional fee to access the online searches and the land registry documentation. So I have to pay them to go in and actually do the forms. And, and look to, at the forms. And to look at them. Um, maybe that's what the search is. Maybe they're looking for it. You should uh, try Google. It'd be cheaper. <laughs> archive of documents associated with your transaction. £30. I have to pay them £30 to archive the documents once my purchase is completed. Money laundering check, land registry priority search, bankruptcy search. So I've got £960 in legal fees, £738.43 in just all these things. 
Um, and then just even when the need to send the money across, you pay like your chaps payment, £48 to send an electronic payment by chaps in 2020. And actually, send me the money I'm to my bank yeah. and I can do it. Yeah, I know. absolutely. I know. PayPal. So yeah, literally what's that? Another £2,000 in general fees on top of stamp duty fees just to buy property. And what would you do if you were rental? So if you're paying 500 quid rent, yeah. you pay a month in advance, yep. which is fine, 500 pound, and then maybe 500 pound bond, which, which is- you to, get back if you don't. you get back if you don't wreck the house. <laughs> Sorry, I've, I haven't even looked at this in detail until now, and it's just, I'm, I feel like I need to go back to them. You're paying away on something that you'll own, but there is a lack of flexibility, and there is big additional costs that factor into it. I think it's maybe not as straightforward as buying is the way and I'm yeah. not only saying that because I'm right in the middle of it and hating it <laughs> yeah there are pros and cons to every decision and it's not just black and white it's not just about the money the reason I've always bought was because it was just ingrained into me as a child we rented right up until I was about 17 and then my mum bought her first house and she was you know just buy at least then it's yours at the end of the day well you know at the end of your life probably and by the time you retire at least then you're not paying rent for the rest of your life because actually that's the thing with a mortgage after a certain amount of time maybe 30 years and it sounds like a lot but at least then you don't have any more payments if you rent all your life by the time you retire, you're still renting. Yeah, but then that comes back to that notion of retirement that we mm. discussed right at the start of the podcast of I'll work, 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 retired and I won't have much income. So mm. therefore you tied in your mortgage, 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 and I don't want expenses. But actually, if you're having a much more flexible approach to work and you're not planning on a traditional retirement, mm -hmm. then that desperate need to pay off a mortgage and not have outgoings isn't as relevant. Well, well, what do you think of the concept then that people always say, why are you paying somebody else's mortgage? You know, why are you then as a tenant, you're paying rent and you're not getting anything in return apart from, you know, a roof over Apart from a roof, nothing, yeah. <laughs> nothing permanent. You don't no, get anything No, but I think that's a big thing. But same as your car, like you're not getting anything for the... But it's a depreciative value, your... isn't it? Oh, the value of it's going down. If you bought a property... At the time that you started. Oh, sorry, renting. has every property that you've bought gone up? Oh, absolutely oh no. not. <laughs> no. Absolutely Another myth. Not. Let's not just assume that properties are going up. <laughs> Feel this is coming from a place of immediate pain. Uh, more immediate pain. <laughs> immediate and long term pain. I just I just lose on properties all the time. So yeah, even the current one that I'm selling, the offer that would accept it was thirty five grand less than we paid. And now they're offering. And 10, now they want another ten grand off, so losing forty five grand in but are you losing three years. It? Yeah. <laughs> what we talked about earlier was, I always think of a bargain is not about how much is off the retail price, but, you know, so if I was going to purchase a car, um, I would go in there and think, I don't care how much they think it should have sold for. I don't care how much discount I got. I don't care how much, if the person who walked in after me got it for £10,000 less, I don't care about that as well. Oh, you would. If you I knew it, I you would. If I walk away thinking I've got a good deal there, yeah. that's what's important. a lot. Have you ever come across anything weird that's been left in the house by a previous tenant or a previous owner? In my current house that I'm trying to vlog, the previous owners were downsizing. So as we were walking around, the woman who was selling it was just like, you can keep this, you can keep that, you can keep that. So she left us three back and stone house beds that were brand new, wow. two sofas, and then just randomly a Kemble piano with the receipt for it, which was £4,800. Wow. So they bought the house off plan. And so the windows weren't yet in the house when they bought it. So they had the piano winched in through the window and it wears a flipping tone, as you might imagine. And then the windows were put in. So as part of the downsizing, they were leaving loads of furniture anyway, but they were also like, we physically can't get this piano at the house, even though it cost us nearly five grand to buy. Um, do you want it? And I was like, um, yeah. But now I've got the same issue. So obviously can't get the piano at the house for the same reasons. So you said can to take the... your windows out though and get them put back in. That's, That's what nice. I do when I get a sofa delivered. Do you? Yeah, yeah just to, somebody just comes along and takes the window out. I can't understand just taking a window out. It, can't you just take the it. glass out? It's only stuck on with some putty. Shut up, it's not. Putty. It is. And then they take the pain out, they put it down. They, that's how, how do you think they get sofas into weird shaped houses? They put a, take the sofa apart. Pivot. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, give you SES don't a just ring. take windows you out. Absolutely, do can't. just take the window out. And then anyway, it's on the first floor, so it's not even on the ground. Have floor. you not seen all of those old movies where pianos fall on people's heads? Why? Are there, how else oh, are you yes, moving always them? winching them out, aren't Obviously, they? Obviously, yeah. <laughs> um, so I said to the people buying my house, "Do you want a piano?" 
Um, and they said yes. But then I feel like I'm giving away £5,000 because I've seen a receipt. Now, I'm not giving away £5,000 because I didn't pay anything and it came free. So really what you're saying is it's back to, it's an emotional thing. You've you've kind of taken ownership of it, even though you didn't buy it, mm-hmm. just because it's taken up some space inside your house for a while and you did play it a little bit. Um, and same as the house, the bugbear with selling the house at the moment is the emotions around knowing what I paid for it and that they're offering less and mm-hmm. it's the difference between what's the hard and fast factual value of it and what do I think it should be worth and mm. kind of what's my belief and I think financial services I think people think it's considered a dry topic people assume there's a yes or no answer black and white answer it's a it's b and that that's not the case anyway there's often lots of different possible solutions for something but then you throw emotions into the mix too and actually that just kind of mm. it takes it to an extra level and I think even when you know finance and you can look at the facts and figures and you can make a logical decision, you can't underestimate the fact that your emotions will have an effect on it. I was thinking that earlier when you were talking about actually getting your survey done on the new property. I still think if I had my heart set in a property and they came back to me yeah, and yeah. said, actually, there's problems here, here and here, yeah. I think, but actually, I love it. I love it, yeah, it um, is, so yeah. actually, would I still then make an emotional decision yeah. to buy a property that yeah. I then might struggle to sell in the future anyway? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, you probably would. I said I wanted it. Good woman, I'll buy what I want. I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Spend all that money. Um, so I moved into my house years and years and years and years ago, like 13 years ago, and I'm still doing work on it. And that was an emotional decision. I really liked the house. It was really old and really quirky. And I thought that was cool 13 years ago. Now that I've realised, you know, you can't heat it and it's fallen to bits. Um, and you can just take windows cool out. You can just take drop win- of a hat. Windows just fall out because <laughs> it's that old. When we bought it, it was owned by quite a religious lady. And we knew of her and we knew she did work with the church and things like that. And round the back, there was this little, she had this section which was just like some weird shrine. Which just had like a cross in and like a, a statue of the Virgin Mary with a big spike on it. Like, like stuck into the soil. Keeping. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you just leave that? It's ridiculous. Take your Virgin Mary and get lost. So when we did the garden, I said to Michael, dig all that out. It's, you know, so he dug it all out and we put nice gravel in instead and it was really nice. And then <laughs> one of his friends had come around and he said, oh, have you changed around the back of here? And I said, oh, well, yeah, there was this really awful like, weird shrine thing. And he went, oh, no, that's where she'd buried her husband's ashes. <laughs> <laughs> Michael went, I thought it was dusty. <laughs> thought it was dusty when I pulled it out, but I just thought it was, you know, like old soil. <laughs> Hope she never comes back. Definitely yeah. should have come up on the survey. No mind checking for Japanese knotweed. What's wrong with your life? This isn't even, like, in all Some... the years I've known you, this hasn't come up. When I speak to Mike, then I'm going, do you remember when we disinterred Davy Ball? <laughs> that time, when we were doing the garden, we disinterred that body. <laughs> So I thought we'd play a little game okay. talking about, you know, stressful life events. So I've got 10 different topics here. Right. Um, I want you to rank them right. in what you think is the most stressful right. to the least stressful right. life event. Are you ready? Yeah. Yes. Here they are. Okay. Oh, tiny rating. Having a child. Oh. Okay. Um, okay. So finding a school for your child. Oh, interesting. Going through that right now. How stressful was it? I can't tell. I was that fuss, to be honest. <laughs> Retiring from work, going through that now? <laughs> uh, hoping to, maybe after this episode. Stressful? I would say hi, yeah, because I think people struggle with the transition under the traditional retirement. What about arranging care for an elderly relative? I think that would be very stressful for people. So, yeah. Putting that at the top. Having a child? Um, did I find having a child stressful? Yeah. Put that right at the top. Changing jobs? You haven't done no, that for a while, have haven't you? I? No, quite yeah, low. that's quite low. Buying a house, oh, which is an interesting concept we've just talked about. I would say it has got its stresses, but again, there's a lot of excitement that kind of balances it out. Stick it somewhere in the middle for now. In the middle, what about a little selling a house. Do you think selling a house is more or less stressful than buying? I think it's more stressful, but buying. still less stressful than arranging care for an elderly relative. Yes. Okay. What about getting married? <laughs> Um, I don't think it's that stressful if you've got a Natalie to organise the wedding for you. I'm going to put no. that right at the bottom. In fact, it's off the end of the table. <laughs> what about buying a new car? Nah, down there. As long as you've got one, I can copy. <laughs> just copy my car. Um, I do all of the research. I feel like I'm not a good barometer here. So at the bottom, we've got buying a new car, getting married. What about getting divorced? Oh, I find 
personal experience quite stressful. <laughs> yeah, but less stressful than what having a child. Right, no, let me have a fiddle around with these now. So definitely think well, let that's... let me just say that you've got buying a new car at the bottom and yes. having a child at the top. Yeah, but I don't think that's right. You know what it is? It's an emotional thing because you just think, oh, my baby, I don't want to think of him as stressful. Mm. I'm going to put it there. Right, okay, so what you've got at the top there is yep. arranging care for an elderly relative. Why do you think that's the most stressful thing? Personally, I've got no experience of it, so it just seems like an incredibly daunting task, and I think it would be expensive, I think it would be emotional, I think most people wouldn't know where to start, so everything about it feels like, you know, there's no niceness mm -hmm. to offset it like there is with a child or a wedding. Right, okay, so we've got that at the top, then we've got going through a divorce, yep. which was actually very close because the top most stressful thing for people, 78% yes. of people found it stressful, was going through a divorce. Oh, interesting. Next up, we've got selling a House. Again, I think it comes down to the emotions because you, it's what you think your house should be worth and the excitement of buying versus the the drudgery of waiting yeah. for to sell it. Yeah. Um, then buying a house, yeah. 69, sorry, 70% of people thought selling a house was stressful. Right. 69% of people thought buying a house was stressful. Okay. So I suppose that 1% just it's the excitement factor, isn't it? Yeah. Arranging care for an elderly relative, that comes next, 68%. Having a child, oh. so you're about right I in the middle there, 53%. Then, for 49%, changing jobs, which yeah. we thought might be easy. Then, <laughs> getting married, here come the bridezillas. 40% of people found that stressful. No, they need a Natalie. Finding a school for your child is apparently stressful, you know, if you care. 36% yeah. of people find that stressful. But actually, where you live is a nice area of Darlington and there's only one school there, so that probably reduced the stress. Yeah, nice stress. Retiring from work was the next one. 22% of people find that stressful. Probably because they think it's a lot to look forward to. It's mm. that age-old adage of, you know, you work, 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 and then you look forward to retirement. Yeah. Um, we're changing that, that's fine. And then buying a new car, only 17% found that stressful. Yeah. Which, I don't know why it's stressful. Kick a couple of tyres. Tell you what I think the stressful thing is. You tie yourself up in knots of, well, should I just buy one? Should I do a lease? Should I do a higher purchase? And again, you think there's a right answer and you go round and round in circles and there isn't. They've all got the pros and cons. Mm. much muchness, and I think that's the stress in thinking, am I making the absolute optimum best choice? And actually, if you just think mm. there isn't such a thing. What would you, just tell me you're topping your least stressful. Well, I've never been through a divorce, never sold a house. You've never sold a house? No. And um, the house mm. I've bought is the second one I've bought and I didn't sell the other one because I figured it would be too stressful, <laughs> which is ironic. <laughs> Buying a house, I'm just such a laid back, but honestly, things really don't stress me out like that. Um, I've never had to arrange care for an elderly relative. I'd probably be the elderliest person. Yeah. Or oldest, however you want to use the grammar. English. Having a child wasn't stressful at the time, but now that they're old and annoying, quite stressful. Getting married again, I was just kind of, meh, if he doesn't turn up, probably a blessing in disguise. <laughs> Finding a school for your child. <laughs> Finding a school for your child. Just went to the closest one. Retiring from work, tell you in two no. years. <laughs> Buying a new car. That's interesting. I think I might need to do that soon. <laughs> it's quite stressful. Mine keeps flashing lights. Keeps about. running out of fuel. Air? Running out of air? There's literally nothing stressful. Not really. A couple of them I haven't done. I imagine trying to sell my house would be a bit of a nightmare considering, you know, it's got a curse on it from an age-old urn that I found in the back. Mine comes with a piano, yours comes with a poltergeist. <laughs> <laughs>many other countries live in multi-generational households mm. and how do you think that idea would go down in Britain? So I nearly ended up in a property in Italy and their home ownership works differently but again they live as families but they tend to live on one story and then you just build a story on top oh, and then your yeah, family move that. into that story so that you are in one property but each one's kind of a self-contained flat. Mm -hmm. So my boyfriend at the time his mum and dad and I think one of his brothers still lived at home. So he had a one-storey property. And when we got together, they started building. It's pressure, isn't it? Oh, you know, he's met a girl. Let's start building. L literally, it was that. Like, bang, bang, get the stones down. And they have this weird, essentially, if you could get some walls and you could get a roof on top before the building regulators found out, you didn't need to get planning permission. Wow. So you had to build fast. But literally, if you could get walls and a roof, then that was it. They couldn't. They would never make you take it down. They'd kind of give you a bit of a wrap on the knuckles for I not doing it properly. Whole, like, right, okay, let's do it overnight. Yeah, literally, it was that. So we'd go out for a couple of weeks at a time, and I was there, like, going on a holiday at 18, but, like, painting fences and stuff and helping while him and his dad were, like, building all these stones. And we got to the stage of, you could go in and walk around 
and there was walls and a roof. So you're like, phew, you know, your planning's done. Um, there was no windows or doors and started to do the internal walls. And then you, you could have take got a piano time. in if there was no windows. Could have got a piano in. <laughs> but that was, again, the default assumption is that family living. So you, mm. would, you wouldn't even consider going and buying a property or moving to a different part of town. You would live in the same complex as your parents and they would kind of build up and then is it a little bit like jenga though so kind of <laughs> i don't think it the... went on and on and on i know but if you get to the top so like third generation or something and then the grandparents down, die yeah. you go kind of yeah. take a when block you can't, out the top yeah, and can't handle stairs anymore you know you're at the bottom, down you you're go have to move up and... you have your kids they move up that's crazy isn't know, it yeah it is it's such a different way of living to what we're used to but again it's what we were saying there's the differences in generations what we're used to what our you know parents were used mm-hmm. to what the next generation are and then across countries and the fact that, again, they've got their own rules and that'll all change. It's just maybe and what you assume is a default really, really isn't. That's really interesting. Uh, you know, you've I know. blown my mind with that. And I kind of wish I'd stayed with them just for the house. Love it. But I was about 21, maybe, when I bought my first house. But it was an inevitability. I always knew I would buy a house. Yeah. I didn't want to rent forever. It was a very much a short-term fix. Why do you think that is? That's not always been the case. And it's not always the case globally that people want to buy houses as opposed to rent houses. I think there's just something that becomes embedded in you where you don't think about whether or not you should or you need to or why you do you just it becomes a standard so I was the same I bought I think I was 20 when I bought mine and again it was very different for us my first house cost 52 grand but it was the same like I rented for a few years until I could get a house and there was absolutely no consideration around there being any other option I didn't sit and think do I understand the cost of a house or do I understand the lack of flexibility or any of that? It was just literally, you, you buy a house, that was the absolute default setting. I wonder if it's just a product of coming up in the 80s, you know, there was all the things with the minor strikes and people lost a lot of jobs. There was a lot of homelessness. Um, a lot of thing. Yeah, there was that security thing. So I think a lot of people came out of that thinking, actually, if I had a mortgage and I paid it off, it'd be, they couldn't take that away from me. I have a house, I have a holding that can't be taken away regardless of the job situation if I've mm. paid off my mortgage. Um, mortgages became relatively cheaper more accessible and I just think so us growing up with those people who went through that I think you're right that kind of the generation before you and I so the baby boomers were the first ones to get into buying the property when you're buying a property and you think I'm going to be I've left school or college and I'm in this job for 40 years until I retire absolutely makes sense you're probably not going to move very much you're going to stay there Mm -hmm. so why would you not buy the property that's fed into our generation where we've gone, oh, that's the only option. That's mm-hmm. literally the only thing that you think. But I wonder if just, you know, 18, 19 now, and you're thinking, I'm not, I don't want to pin myself to one town for the next four years. I want to travel and mm-hmm. I want to move. Property purchase doesn't make any sense. It is just about that flexibility. So given that we both just went straight into buying a property because we're so it was kind of embedded in us to do that, mm-hmm. if you could go back in time and... 20 year old jaw you've got the knowledge that you've got now and you've got the ability to sit and think would you do anything different would you have still bought the property when you did um yes I would have I was thinking actually that when we bought our property the mortgage was much lower than what the local rent was Um, so actually I was better off in mortgage than what I was paying rent anyway so I would have still always made that decision because I'm very much a short-term goal person anyway and think oh actually that'll save me a bit of money in the short term despite taking on a 30-year debt. So yes, I absolutely would. And I still think for me, it was the right decision. I'm now halfway through my mortgage period and it's very low now. I've paid off a huge chunk of it. I'm on yeah. the home stretch, so it's going to be paid off soon. And how exciting is it, the thought of having a property where you don't pay any rent or any mortgage or anything? So actually, yes, I would do the same, yeah. knowing where I am now. Would you? No. Would you, do? <laughs> would you rent? Yeah. But mm. you are different to me in the sense yeah. that I quite like that village living and that whole kind of... Well, I mean, it's the about the life, up. isn't it? It is, It's yeah. not that I'm happy buying that. or renting's right. It's what life do you want? And mm-hmm. it's the... If you knew that you were going to be settled, like you say, if you like a village and mm. you're already pregnant and married, then absolutely, if that's kind of where you're settling, then there is a lot of logic around it. Oh, you make my life sound boring. Well, I was going to say, if you're exciting. a flaky drifter like me... Then... <laughs> <laughs> not so great paying all the stamp duty and buying properties and then having to keep shifting every few years which is interesting so maybe you shouldn't go ahead with a house purchase and just rent somewhere oh no <laughs> I mean it's a very very valid point it really is well I guess yeah so it's where <laughs> where you're using some people crave that stability I, I don't like it I hate the thought of being tied to something mm. 
So after Cathy fell into an existential crisis about buying versus renting, we decided to give our friend Luke from Hartley Ross a call on Zoom. Sorry, the audio is a little scratchy, but Luke has some amazing thoughts and ideas to share, mostly about mortgages, but also about Transformers. We'd like to introduce our guest, Luke Hartley. Luke, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from and what you do? Uh, yeah, love to. Yeah, thanks for having me. I guess my full time is senior partner at Hartley Ross, in, in based in the Bucks office. You know, so yeah, you go to parties. We go, what do you do for a living? So I'm a financial advisor, and they're literally like, oh god, don't don't try and befriend me and steal all my money. There's a lot of reassuring to do, and I, I do think we're turning the corner as a profession. I really do believe that um, standards are much higher, the level of obviously qualifications much higher, just obviously a more transparent charging structure in the world. You know, I do think the trust is coming back. Um, Kathy and I talk on the podcast a lot about how you know people assume things about financial services and they assume that if you, you're in financial services, you're perfect and you know what you're doing and everybody's rich. Um, but and we, you make sensible decisions and you plan out your life perfectly and all your finances you do all your savings, are, you've got everything to hand. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like you, like you say, everyone assumes, oh, you're a financial advisor, so everything in your life must be absolutely nailed on and perfect. Now, if I die, yes. You know, that's great news for my wife. She'll never, you know, they'll be absolutely set. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, like house buying, my, my first house I bought, I was, it didn't go wrong. I was in Cardiff and I'd moved down from London where my brother still was, I'm one of four. And by complete chance, we both bought in 2004. And I was, so I was 20, was I 23, 22, 23? I had, you know, I hadn't been going out. I, I, I didn't go on the boys' holidays. And a house in Cardiff at the time, a three and a half, four bedroom house next to the park, beautiful, 15 minute walk into the center of town, the whole bit, and it was 230 grand. My brother, meanwhile, bought a one bedroom flat in Fulham for a, a bit more, but not vast sums more. We then, by complete chance, both sold in 2014, 10 years later. Right. Of course, I've moved back to London at this point, you know, met my now wife, we needed a family home, all that sort of stuff. And he also sold because he was moving. Uh, I bought mine for 232 and 10 years later, just managed to get an asking price of 232,000 pounds. <laughs> Do you know, the first offer I got was like 180 or something. I went down for the weekend, painted it, recarpeted and, and stuff. And anyway, so I made zero in 10 years having been a good boy, worked really hard, saved up, paid the mortgage down, all of it. My brother, meanwhile, uh, sold his one bedroom flat for over seven figures in the same year. So ev every Christmas for the next five years, it was like, oh, aren't you the financial advisor? <laughs> <laughs> so Joe and I have both had the experience you had. Um, and, you know, obviously part of it is geography, isn't it, to where you are. There's so many people who've had the experience your brother had, and then they assume that that's the only experience. You know, property can only go up. You will always win on property. And yeah. that's a dangerous myth. It's always been one of my bugbears, hasn't it? In like the Sunday papers, when they say, what's best for retirement, property or pension? And nine times out of 10, property, because it always goes up. But I think a lot of private landlords are finding out the, the hard way, what furlough looks like, what taxation looks like, what increased government legislation looks like, increased protections. You know, it's not just stick your pension into a house and wait for it to come in because you've now got pretty much everyone in the country phoning private landlords, asking slash demanding rent reductions and, and so on. Um, and suddenly that, that nailed on bricks and mortar investment, suddenly not so much. So we do need to be very careful. Because as a culture, we're massive on home ownership, huge. And I think a lot of it comes from financial security and retirement. You know, the idea of paying rent in retirement while still, you know, uh, living on, on pensions with a, a comparatively meagre state pension compared to some, you know, some other European countries is, is, a, is, a, is a huge reason to buy a house. Do you think the disparity in what we provide as a state pension compared to other European countries, like you stated there, um, do you think that might be why in places like Germany, for example, they rent a lot more than they buy? It's, uh, I think, something like France, because France has always sort of held up as, as you know, the benchmark of renting and, and so on. But they're actually got similar home ownership levels to us. The, the big difference is rent controls. It's the rules. And I think Europe have historically, there have been far more protections for renters. So they used to have rules that, for example, like the lending criteria as well was very different. You couldn't spend more than 30% of your monthly income on a mortgage, for right. example. Now, if you live on London, in London, you're probably spending half, you know, maybe even two thirds. It's, it's, it's horrendous. But also for, for rentals, um, they couldn't have that. It, it had to be within, I think it was 20% of the indexed uh, ranking. So no one could really, you couldn't have, should we call it opportunist landlords taking advantage. And then Macron came in and actually scrapped that whole thing uh, in, I think, 2017 uh, and made it regional. And it meant that Parisian rentals immediately spiked in cost. 
Um, so I, I do think rent, rent controls and caps, you know, are a big, big, big comparison and factor, yeah. You know, in the UK, it's very much about home ownership and it's just embedded in you. you. You need to do that. You have to get on the ladder. You have to own your own property. It's a waste of money to rent. You know, in, in I can only speak from, from London and Cardiff experience, but renting, you know, you, you've got a perpetual sense of, I don't even know if I'm going to be here next year. Why would I paint that wall? It's not my wall and I probably won't be living here next year. So you end up with a pretty sort of short-termism thinking. And I think that perpetuates a sense of, I need something to call mine. I don't, I don't care if it's a cardboard box because then it's worth investing emotional and financial time and effort into. And actually, I'm in the middle of buying a property. And the more we talked about it, the more I was saying, well, actually, you know, why? Why do we do that? Why do you think yeah. it's good? Why don't I just rent? What do you think about the current state of play in the mortgage market at the minute with everything that's gone on with COVID and just um, in general? Expect <laughs> you to be positive or, or, or realistic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think the, the, the long-term mantra hasn't changed, has it? You know, home ownership is still an integral part of the goals and ambitions of any UK citizen who, who plans to, to live here in retirement. At the moment, um, I think it is difficult to say it's anything other than a, a pretty worrying time. You know, I've had people say to me, you know, why is the housing market not worse? I mean, there, there was a, a flurry of mortgage applications after lockdown lifted when, of course, they temporarily scrapped the stamp. So, you know, there was this flurry of purchases and everyone's going, it seems like we're running on fumes a bit here. You know, Rishi Sunak, you know, he's made some big, bold decisions that have certainly propped everything up thus far. Our, our house view at our end is that, you know, come, come October when furlough ends, that's when you'll see the real news. It's going to be very difficult to say what impact this has had on the housing market until we know how many people in this country are employed. You had to guess. So <laughs> if you were me and you were... Is this about the podcast now? Are you buying your house? There's <laughs> <laughs> free financial advice, Luke. Central bill. So it's a genuine thing that I'm debating at the minute, which is how Job and I both previously got burned. We bought um, properties before, right before the 2007 crash. Right. So as Joe alluded to, I actually had 110% mortgage at the time, which was just guaranteed to end badly, no matter what yeah. happened. Then the market crashed. So, you know, I started in negative equity. I went further into negative equity, which meant that for years and years and years afterwards, I could not remortgage. Yeah. I fell onto a standard variable rate oh. and couldn't remortgage because, you know, I needed thousands and thousands to bring the value down. So that was fun. So right now I'm hoping to complete on the new property in August and I'm trying to learn some lessons from last time. What could potentially happen and people have talked about is a big crash in October. Mm. Even with my 10% deposit this time, I'll immediately drop back down into negative equity. And I just think it's even having been through that, I'm still sat here going, well, you know, what's the alternative? Because it's such an emotional thing when you're buying a house. I can't just sit and wait for it to crash. I've got a little boy, we need a home and, and kind of all of that. But I guess that's the, the challenge if people are sat now or if listeners are sat now thinking, you know, how, do your time when you buy a property? Do you try and guess where the market will go? What, what would your advice be to them, not me? <laughs> what, what would my non-advice be if my friend asked me? <laughs> so I, it's going to sound like a really prepared answer, but it's not. I always, I always refer back to, to a, a moment when I was, I spent a few years in the TA and it was, it was uh, one night in the Breckens, sort of basically a, four in the morning on a on stag sentry duty lying next to my mate who was real soul to the earth and we were talking about, talking about houses as you do at three in the morning it was just after the the 2008-9 crash and i he, and i said aren't you worried about buying a house now and he said do you know what i'm going to do if my house goes into negative equity i, I said what he goes i'm going to live in it <laughs> and, and I, <laughs> honestly and it, that do you know what that has stuck with me forever he couldn't he couldn't understand why people like me and and, and maybe you wrap yourself up worrying and it, it, it is this is the big british versus european housing yeah. thing why, why are you worrying about it if you've got a capital repayment mortgage that is going to be paid off before your retirement age and you like your home what, what's the problem because it's only if you intend to you know uh, it's a doer upper or we can add value to that then we'll then we'll upscale then we're upscale and maybe by the time i'm 140 i'll have a house as good as that friend of mine who always hosts dinner and then we can come to mine instead you can't get it right and anyone that says they can is i would argue overstating their position like you say you've got you know you've got you've got a family you've got you know roofs to go overhead the, the main thing really is, is is about choosing the mortgage itself you yeah, know but if the worry is that there could be a crash and then the worry is I'm not selling my house, but actually in two years time, if I have a two year mortgage deal, 
I would need to get a new deal in two years. And if it's crashed and I'm in negative equity, that is a problem to take on a new deal. So actually maybe I look at a five-year deal instead and then I can just relax and I'm in my house and that's fine. Then when I had that discussion with my mortgage advisor, the only deals that were available were then a 15% deposit, which I couldn't afford. Yeah. And then it comes, okay, well, my only option is to take out the mortgage that I can physically afford right now, but know that I'm going in for this potentially really volatile ride and potentially in two years' time have to come out of my deal and not be able to get a new one. And I just think even for somebody who's bought several properties, learned a lot of lessons the hard way, got lots of qualifications, including mortgage ones, it is so, so difficult. It really is. And you can just understand why it's a minefield for people. I do think in our profession, you know, and you, you probably suffer from it uh, as much as I do, the, there, there can be a certain amount of too much, you can, you can have too much knowledge. You know, as, as, as I said, well, my kids were, well, they're five and seven now, but at the time they were four and six. And I thought, I know, I, I know that two-year rate's better. And I, and I think it highly unlikely that interest rates are going to be going up in any relevant amount. If anything, I should be looking at a tracker. And then I think, do you know what's even better than a great mortgage rate and saving 0.4% is not worrying about it until my children are teenagers. You know, and then you'll have enough to worry about. I was gonna say, yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> we've just got one more question for you, which has been an amazing um podcast episode. So, thanks, Luke. But, Transformers, are you familiar with the I am aware of their existence and which ones are the best? Great. Um, do you feel they should have life or car insurance? Oh, <laughs> oh. I need at least a few weeks to get that right. <laughs> it, 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 it depends. Are the Decepticons on Earth at this point? They're obviously going to have to be Autobots, aren't they? Because yeah, well, that's what I'm just trying to make sure. Like, I mean, what's probability of death, you see? Cause, I didn't know you had all that depth of knowledge. I'm, just, I'm trying to underwrite an Autobot death versus a Decepticon death. Do you know what I mean? It's not as easy as that, is it? So I think, I think they've got, they're, they're, they're going to have to go with gonna have to go car insurance until they pass the Turing test to qualify as sentient and therefore moving on to human underwriting if you amazing <laughs> if you had to give them a sentient test what question would you ask them oh oh you see i thought i'd done well on the first one and i'm not going to do as well on the second one you know what there's not normally a part b to that question I know, I feel, I feel, taking it up a notch i feel like i've earned this i feel like it could be one of those ones you know where it says can you click every square that has a zebra crossing in it <laughs> i know yeah i could do that right i tell you what i do i'd say um if you sacrifice every autobot on earth I can guarantee to save Cybertron. Ooh. <laughs> Interesting. Well, that's me not sleeping tonight, so thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Just thinking about Optimus Prime out there weighing up the big questions. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> and that amazing... Ooh, well, I'll tell you what, that Transformers question has never escalated like that before. That's so. good, no? <laughs> oh, well, thanks very much for your time. Thank you. It's been absolutely oh. brilliant. Thanks for having me. It's been uh, an absolute pleasure. Can you do me and tell me how I save this recorded? How <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, so we said one of the things we would do at that Mint podcast was bust some myths. Firstly, people generally get the idea that debt is bad, credit cards not great, you know, that's not kind of a way to live. There's a big mentality around generally trying to clear debt, but obviously a mortgage is literally the biggest debt you would ever, ever take out. So why do you think it's different when it comes to mortgages? You see this new planner and things popping up saying, do you want to buy this shirt that's £30? Instead, spend £10 a month for three months. If you can't afford £30 for a shirt, you shouldn't be buying it. Mm. But actually, who's got yeah. £100,000, £200,000 lying about to buy a house? People aren't going to have that kind of money. And because interest rates are so low on mortgages, mm. there's very much a concept of why spend your money when you can spend somebody else's because actually you could gain more money by investing that. Yep. If you had £100,000 you wanted to buy a property for 100000 you would use the bank to pay for the mortgage to take the house out and pay interest of 1% on it for, you know, argument's sake. And then you would invest your £100,000 cash into an investment and get 5% on it. So at the end of that 10-year term or 20- or 30-year term, you've actually made money on your cash and you haven't spent anything really other than your mortgage payments and it works out as much better financial deal. You're right that the point with the mortgage is there is no other way. If you 
if you wanted to save to buy a house, like you would just never get there just the way that house prices go up. And where would you live in the meantime? Yeah. So well, actually if it, it takes you 20 years to yeah, save £100,000 yeah. and that's being conservative, where do you live in the meantime? So you're paying rent somewhere and actually yeah. then that's where all of your monthly costs are going. So unless you live at home until you're 40 and then buy a house. Yeah. But then the other thing with buying a property, so there's a, a general rule of thumb, which is that you can get four times your salary. I guess it's not completely arbitrary. The mortgage companies have done that for a reason. It equates to a certain percentage. They're assuming that there's a fixed amount of your income that would go out on your car or your mobile. You'll need to pay council tax. You'll need to pay bills. So they know four times salary at whatever the current interest rate is equaled blah Mm -hmm. monthly repayments. You should broadly be able to afford it. But again, there's so many moving parts of that. Firstly, do you always go for the four-time salary? Mm Because actually that's the maximum that you can afford should you be going for the maximum. But also if you're taking out a mortgage when you're quite young, your salary might be quite low. And then do you wait until your salary jumps up? You know, if you get an extra five grand in your salary, that's another 20 grand in the property that you can buy and that could make a big difference. Every time when I renew my mortgage, they'll say, based on your salary and your husband's salary, you could have a mortgage of blah. And I always think that's so much higher than what I've got now. Do I now go all out and think, actually, I'll buy a huge house? Because I could. And, you know, the mortgage might double. My monthly mortgage repayment might double, but apparently I can afford afford it. it. But A, don't need that size house. B, I just quite enjoy seeing my small mortgage going down every month and thinking, oh, this is going to be paid off. And actually, it's not costing me a fortune every month. And I don't need a big house. Why? Why bother that I can afford to treat the kids ridiculously that I shouldn't? But... You know, I'd rather have a better standard of living. And I always commend myself after the thing, didn't give in to that temptation. So I guess that's with the level that you can afford. So what about terms? So again, people default to you're 25 years, you're 30 years. Yeah, absolutely. Which again, I think is a bit of a hangover from when you would take your first mortgage out, when you're expected to retire, there was a set age. When I first got mine, there wasn't options. It was kind of, you took out your mortgage, it was 25 years, which gave you enough time to, you know, those late bloomers who didn't buy a house until they were 25, Still gave them till 50 to pay it off. Yeah. And that was it, wasn't it? A longer time frame. So you can't, So even even now at the grand old age of 37, I think the mortgage I was looking at was still 30 years at so 67, which is probably my state pension age. Ultimately, you're paying more. It's, it's like a false sense of economy. You think, oh, actually, my, mm. you know, I've yeah. run it through my checker online and now this comes out at 470 a month instead of 500 a month, but you're paying it for an extra five years. Do you know what's really interesting is because I've looked at this recently and it's a similar concept, but on a shorter term whereby I'm looking to replace the windows in my house, which I can't afford to do yet because it's so expensive. You can just pop them out. So um, I looked at my local glazer, glazier. Glazier. I looked at him and he was a couple of thousand pound cheaper than, you know, Safe Style UK or AN other window company. But they offer interest-free credit over three years, whereas my local glazer is cheaper but doesn't. Have to pay so my options are, do I get a loan with a higher interest to pay off a lesser price mm. or do I get the interest-free credit? And it's working out. So what I need to look at is how much interest would I pay? What actually will it cost me? So that looks like, so the local glazier looks like a better deal because it's £3,000 cheaper. But actually, if I have to get a loan to get those windows, yeah, then yeah. I would have to pay interest on that and actually yeah. might pay back more. What I did agree was that I would just wait and save because, you know, I hate paying interest on things. Emotional yeah, decisions. It is emotional decisions. So, talked about 100% mortgages earlier. Boo. Boo. <laughs> Being stung. I took out 125% mortgage back in ye bad old days. And then actually at the minute, so the market is all over the place because of COVID and there was some 90% mortgages available and that's what I've applied yeah. for. And literally the week after I applied, they've took all the 90% mortgages in. I thought it was market. only the 95% they took off. Did no, they take mine, the 90s? Yeah, well? 90%. So what is it now, 85? There's, I think there's one lender still doing 90% and everything wow. else is 85. So it means you have to have more deposit. If there was more, you know, if we were in a more steady time and it came back to, there was a 90%, a 95%, 100% mortgage, would you, I mean, you're shaking your head, so I don't even need to ask the I question. I absolutely wouldn't, but only because I've got the gift of hindsight, because yeah. I've done that before. The house prices fell yeah. and I'm stuck. stuck you're stuck with a mortgage worth more than the house so yeah. you cannot sell yeah. if you sold the house and then the mortgage company says right okay you've sold this house so A you've not got a house but also you owe me £10,000 you owe me yeah. like, you what? owe me to leave uh, yeah house. exactly that and it's just and horrific. you paid the mortgage all those However, years in the meantime if I was you know the 22 year old Joe and they said here's a house mortgage don't yeah. to you don't have to save buy your trainers you have a house tomorrow yeah six weeks and you can be in I would probably still do it Absolutely. because yeah. I am such that generation of, you know, wanting instant gratification, although I know with hindsight how wrong that is. Yeah, it is. You're creating your own buffer, aren't you? By putting a deposit down, you're creating yep. your own buffer. You're reducing the amount of interest. You forget about it. 
So immediately I put, you know, a deposit down on my house and I keep looking at them thinking, oh, you know, my mortgage now, I'm at something like 60 something percent mortgage loan to value. But I forget that, you know, I had to put cash into it to get yeah. down to, you know, 90% in the first place. But the more that gap raises, the more secure I feel. feel I think, it. oh, actually, if I did ever have to sell, I've got that You buffer. can, you physically can sell and you've yeah. literally got that option. Yeah, and I've got the flexibility to say, well, actually, if I have to sell for a bit less, it doesn't make any difference because I've still got that huge buffer. What about interest rates as well? So at the minute they're at the lowest they've ever, ever ever been mm-hmm. 0.1 and actually I read it so that <laughs> they're genuinely still toying with the idea of making interest rates negative which would mean you would have to pay the bank to keep cash in it crazy isn't it which is obscene like we're at the minute so they're at 0.1 so in theory your mortgage rates should be lower than they've ever 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 been personally I'm not finding that I'm not finding that the ones I'm looking at right now are much different to what they were six months ago no, or a year ago still like they two don't and a percent so you know 0.1 is the lowest that they've ever ever been when I took my 125% mortgage out I still remember it's burned into my brains the interest I was paying at the time was 5.75 which was perfectly normal that's you know yeah, that's about that right. was normal at the time not that long before that interest rates were like 13 mm-hmm. percent so when you get a mortgage quote it says right now your monthly repayment would be 500 pounds if interest rates went up by 1%, it would be £550. If they went up by 2%, it would be £600. So they put that in to help you kind of go, okay, well, But nobody ever plans for the £600, do they? Nobody plans for the 600 And that's them going, what if it went up to 2%? Nobody's going, what if it went up to 13%? Yeah, I know. And actually, you know, I don't think and any of us And especially those could people who said, oh my God, I can get a £350,000 mortgage. Let's get one. Let's and do then the maximum of four times salary. Yeah, I can afford it. And then, oh, actually, it turns out I've been furloughed. I'm on 80% of my wage. And now the mortgage interest rates have gone up. Going up so and up actually, and up. hello, homelessness, my old friend. <laughs> That rounds up another episode of That Mim Podcast. Thank you to everybody involved, our amazing marketing team at Verve, our sponsors, The Art of Finance, the amazing production company, Second Draft. Thanks, boys. Um, my co-host, Cathy Harrison. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks. Um, and also our amazing interviewee. Uh, but but this, this, is, this is the big question, right? You've got a jumbo jet full of jelly beans from top to, to bottom. Right. What's, how, how are you going to empty it? Is it flying or is it on the ground? It's up to you. Because actually if it's flying and you just shoot the window out, presumably they'll all fall out at some point. But... I mean, I like that you've got a gun on a plane in the first place. I respect that. You know, it uh, says a lot about your character. <laughs> it just... would be a better question if it was full of humans. You have to get rid of. <laughs> What's the best way to empty a plane full of real humans midair? Operation Market Garden. I don't... <laughs> <laughs>